0: Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. I hope you are enjoying this free podcast novel. It is provided free of charge for your listening pleasure. It is a chance for you to enjoy, completely free, this pulp sci-fi adventure series, which is, as I mentioned, free. Did I mention the word free enough to let the guilt set in? cool right now you can support the podcast by going to kickstarter.com slash projects slash runes of empire and get yourself a copy of runes of empire number two Templum inventors before it even hits amazon you can get signed copies of the paperback hardback or even just throw a dollar in the pot to say yep i like what you're doing keep it up and as always thank you for listening
1: You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, book one of the Ruins of Empire Project, a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author and Tyler Murphy. The story so far. The refineries have been destroyed and the corporation has fled, leaving war on Titan to be all but inevitable. Vago, trying to protect Cronus, fell into the Titanian Sea which caused his body to go into shock and left him unconscious. The last hope that the Human Reconnection Project could stop the war lay with Cronus, who came up with a desperate plan to convince the people of Titan to stop their religious war in the name of the Companio, both sides worship. But, before they could put their plan into action, they realized that they would need the help of Halifaco and his Perfonduloi warriors.
0: Chapter 28 The alliances that allowed the governments of Earth to beat back the encroaching corporate armies dissolved in a few years. New friendships gave way to ancient hatreds, and hundreds of wars over the smoldering ruins of Earth were fought. A battered and desperate corporation found new hope for life. Deals could be made allies could be turned on each other. One by one, formerly independent
1: territories were brought to heel, not with bullets and bombs, but with one backroom deal after another. From the Fall, The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization, by Martin Raff.
0: Isra crouched behind a fallen tree just at the edge of the clearing that contained the derelict ship that Perfonduloy used as a base. Her hand sweated around the grip of the assault rifle she carried. The duffel bag and flare gun slung over her shoulder made muscles in her back ache. Overhead, shadows of the Venganto streaked across the sky, lit by the small, icy moons and the ringed gas giant. Every few seconds, one of the Venganto dove toward the ship and let a bomb fly. The bombs burst, spilling fire on the hull of the ship, or on the ground, but did no real damage. Still, they had a clear effect. Those holed up inside were now a besieged army. Crona squatted in the mud just a few meters away and watched the skies with Isra. Althea, carrying Vigo on a makeshift A-frame stretcher, lagged behind. She stopped in a dark patch of forest, set Vigo down, and whispered, even in microgravity, he's bloody heavy. How does it look? Not good," said Kronos. "Venganto, watch every move, every step. And out in the open, we don't stand a chance. Run, flash, fire, burn, die. That's it." Istra set the assault rifle against the log and pulled the flare gun from her shoulder and cracked open the chamber. One flare left. "'Will that be enough?' asked Cronos. "'The duration of the average flare is 15.5 seconds. "'In that time, we will need to cross the field to get to the ship.' Easter closed the flare gun. "'And hope there is somebody inside who has the slightest inclination to let us in. "'Considering that, sooner would be better. "'Are you ready?' Kronos stood up and braced himself against the log, "'as if he were intending to vault over it in the most awkward way possible. "'Ready!' Althea steeled herself and picked up the end of Vago's stretcher again. As am I. Isra adjusted the bag on her back and raised the flare gun. It was better to go now. Less time for Althea and Kronos to dwell on the possibility that they will get stuck in the field or outside the ship with no means of escaping. She pulled the trigger. The last cartridge flew and, a couple of seconds later, bathed the field in a brilliant white light. Isra dropped the flare gun and picked up the assault rifle. Go! "'Run! Now!' Ysra vaulted over the fallen log and sprinted across the empty field. She didn't look back at Althea or Kronos, but kept her mind focused on the ruined, ancient spacecraft. As she got closer, she could see a door, and she doubled her efforts to reach it. The low gravity combined with her desperation allowed her to clear the distance in a matter of seconds, but by the time she got to the door, the light had started to flicker. She ran full force into the hatch, banging on the metal and screaming with every breath left in her. Open up! Malaformita! Dangero! Dangero! Nien! Let us in! Just as quickly as it appeared, the light died. Isra risked a look behind her. Althea was close with Vago's stretcher, bouncing on the uneven ground so much that it was a minor miracle he wasn't thrown. Kronos was just behind her, stumbling and falling with every other step. The skies were clear, but that would be short-lived. Isra resumed banging on the ancient airlock. Nien! Nien! Somebody let us in! Fear swept across Isra's consciousness. Nobody was here, or, at least, nobody would let them in. Her mind started racing to figure out how they could escape before the Venganto recovered and descended. Then she heard the scrape of metal on metal as somebody on the other side started opening the door. Overhead, the first shadows of the Venganto appeared. They were close— so close that Isra saw the red in their eyes. She raised the assault rifle and held down the trigger. It erupted in full automatic, spraying bullets into the sky. The door opened just as Althea and Kronos rushed past her and into the safety of the derelict. She continued to fire into the air to buy a few more seconds. Whoever opened the door screamed the words in his native language, Get in! You will kill us all! As the last bullets fired, there was a sharp burst and a flash of heat. A firebomb exploded on the hull just a couple of meters from where she stood. Isra turned and leapt through the open door. The perfunduloy man slammed it shut as more bombs hit the hull and the hatch. Isra dropped the bag of weapons, leaned hard against the wall, and slid to the floor, taking the precious few moments to catch her breath. For a few seconds, all anyone did was sit on the floor and collect themselves and listen to the bombs against the hull. Even the man who opened the door for them just stood staring off into space. The moment of peace ended with heavy footsteps on the metal floor. Isra stood up, just as Halifako appeared around a corner. He was accompanied now by a whole cadre of Perfunduloi warriors carrying marine assault rifles and an air of cool death. Somehow, against all logic, it looked like he had aged a few years in the hours since Isra had last seen him. At the same time, his face and every muscle had a new intensity, Isra pictured him as a human ballistic missile, unstoppable until he reached his target where he would obliterate everyone, including himself. When he spoke, his voice was monotone and dispassionate. Why have you returned? Isra brushed herself off and adjusted her posture. She spoke his Titanian language. Halafaco, this thing you plan to do, you need to stop. We can save you and your people, but we will need your help. The Perf around him laughed softly, but Halifaco didn't even raise an eyebrow. You help. My people are about to save themselves. Even as we speak, Perf gather here for the final battle. We will crush the Urbanoi. Please, he pleaded in his language, you must listen. Halifaco cut her off. I have listened to outsiders. It has done nothing but lead my people to death. I will not listen again. You have wasted your time coming here. Halifaco noticed Vago laying on the ground and spoke in English. What is wrong with him? Althea stood up. He was hurt fighting the Benganto. He needs a place to lie down. Can we bring him somewhere? The Perfundula leader sighed. Come with me. Halofaco led them through the tight corridors of the derelict until they arrived in a dark, open space. Judging from the layout and the remains, Isra guessed this to be the ship's medbay, appropriately enough. There were three tables side by side in the center of the room. Each table had metal loops for straps, although those had long since either rotted away or been removed. Metal shelves and cabinets lined the walls, but all of them were empty. The only light came from a couple of wooden torches soaked in Titanian's hydrocarbon mixture There were a few Perfonduloi in the room sitting on the tables. They sharpened stone knives and spear points, chatted or stitched their own wounds. They got up to make way as Althea and Isra brought Vago in and set him on the table. Althea placed her bag at Vago's feet. I'll need some more light to work. Kronos rooted around in his bag and produced a small white dome. He touched it and it glowed bright enough that they all squinted at the light. He held it up over Vago, let go and it stayed suspended just above him. While Thea began her work, Isra set the bag of weapons on a table and went back to stand near Halifaco. He stood watching with the same resolute expression he had when he entered the hallway. Isra started to wonder why he hadn't just tossed them back out the door or let them stay but left them to their own business. Why did he feel the need to be here himself? Then Isra caught something in the way Halifaco watched Althea work on Vago. It was subtle, but it was there. Respect, maybe. Admiration. Maybe a touch of longing. What do you plan to do? Asked Isra eventually. Halifaco breathed hard. We have but one path open to us now. The Venganto will not stop until every one of my people are killed or enslaved. The power of the Urbanoi and the demons lie in the pyramid. I must lead my people into the final battle to destroy it. Kronos nearly fell over himself, scurrying over. You, you can't. You don't know what you are doing. The last records of the fall, the voices of the past. There will be nothing left. Halifaco regarded the hacker for a moment. Companio demands it. I see that now. It is the only way to free my people. Your people will die, said Isra. Then we will die free, he said with his voice raising in his native language. "'All of us here are prepared. "'We will finally join our ancestors on earth, "'not as slaves, but as free men and women.' The armed militia, standing around the room, raised their weapons in a salute and shouted, "'Ala morto!' "'Which Isra translated as, to the death. "'There is another way,' said Isra. "'We can show you how to fight the Venganto "'without destroying the rest of your people.' There was a slight twitch in Halifaco's eye, but he persisted. I have listened to outsiders enough. The Venganto are immortal. This is the only way to defeat them. And yet, said Isra with a sly tone on her voice, you call the Venganto demons. The Urbanoi call them avenging angels of the Companio. They clearly have an agenda. Strange that it seems to be the same as the Houstons. Vago groaned and stirred on the table. Halifaco indicated Vago. When he is better, it is best you go. Go back to where you came from and leave us in peace. He turned to leave, but Issa chased him. What if I were to tell you that there is nothing powerful or special about the Venganto? They are people like you, under the control of the Houston. They enforce his will. Halafaco stopped and turned. What you say cannot be true. The Venganto use the skies. They rain fire on their enemies. Only because they use technology that you have forgotten... Technology they have preserved since the time of the Companio, but they are just people. Halafaco stepped close, so close that Isra looked up his nose. He made a fist as if he might try to hit her. I have heard enough of these things. My mind is made up. It is best if you leave before the battle. Halafaco turned again to leave, but this time Isra let him go. From the direction of the table, Vago's deep voice lurred, She's right, you know. Halifaco looked in shock at the table where Vago still laid. In truth, Isra was surprised as well. Vago started to sit up with Althea's help. Careful, Vago, she said, taking his arm to steady him. You've been out for the last several hours. Vago rubbed his head. Did I miss anything? He took a moment to take in his surroundings and added, Where the hell am I? We took you to the Perfenduloy lair, said Isra. Ah, "'Well, then hell was a lucky guess, wasn't it?' mumbled Vago. "'Well, what are we doing here?' Isra glanced back at Halifaco, trying to convince him that the Vinganto are just people like them. Halifaco ranted in his own language, "'You will not lead us away from the Companio. Our path is clear. Leave us!' Before Isra could translate, Vago added, "'Just going to take that as a not-too-well, am I right?' Isra nodded, perceptive. "'Any ideas?' Vago got to his feet with some effort. Althea helped steady him and kept him from falling. Even standing upright, he was still disoriented and bewildered. Then he patted himself down, feeling his jacket. My guns, where are they? Isra motioned to the duffel bag she carried from the armory. Althea held him while he staggered toward it. He steadied himself on the edge, opened the bag, and searched until it produced two pistols and holstered them. Okay, where's the door? Isra pointed the way, and Vago, still wobbling, staggered back out into the hallway. He wandered down the halls at Isra's direction. To her barely concealed amusement, Halifaco and a group of his people followed, with weapons in hand. It had to be out of sheer curiosity. Isra had to admit she admired that about Vago. He had a certain audacity and a reckless spirit that drew people to him, if only to see what might happen next. They came to the door, and Vago leaned his head against the metal. It was quieter now, although the occasional burst shook the room and caused rust to flake off the ceiling. Satisfied that there must be something still out there, he tried the door. He strained at the wheel that would draw the steel bolts back, but he didn't have the strength yet. He took a step back, annoyed. Little help here. Two perfundulo warriors went to the door and turned the wheel to unlock the thick steel door. Viggo pushed it to the side and peered out into the dark gloom he unholstered his gun and waited. What is he doing, his Talafaco in his own language, and craning his neck to see better? Isra smiled slightly, proving to you that they are just people. As Talafaco watched Vago hanging out the door, his expression remained passive, but the tension and the sweat forming on his face showed Isra that it was an act. The leader swallowed and spat at Vago in English, "The venganto or invincible. You will do nothing but make things worse for us. There was a burst by the door, so close that Isra could feel the heat, but Vago stood still. Aren't you already set to go out and die? I failed to see how this could possibly make the situation worse. For a moment, Halifaco looked like he was ready to bolt over to where Vago stood and do something drastic to stop him. But he didn't. Isra could feel the conflict in his mind. The intense belief she saw earlier collided head-on, with everything he knew to be true, and, until one or the other gave, it paralyzed him. Vago took a deep breath and held it for a few seconds. There was another burst by the door, and Vago fired a single shot. Everyone standing in the hallway held their breath until something hard clanged on the steel hull. Vago holstered his gun and disappeared into the dark. He returned, dragging a Venganto by the arms. The anger that rose from the assembled perfunduloi was matched only by the confusion as to what they were seeing. It was right there in front of them, an immortal being limp as a puppet without strings. Blood seeped through a wound in the chest and left a trail across the floor where Vago dragged it. He knelt down beside the creature, gripped the mask, and pulled. Isser smiled at the collective gasp. It was a young man with a round face and short, curly hair reminiscent of the Urbanoi. Word got around fast, and more Perfandula came running in to see what the noise was about. Vago stood up to watch the crowd's reaction. So are we good? Put that to rest then. Isra took her seat in the great hall, while Vago hauled the dead Venganto in front of Halifaco and dumped the body on a table. Herf and emerged from all directions to see the aberration laid bare in front of them. As they did, they all argued at once about what it could mean. There was too much crosstalk in the native language for Isra to pick up any one argument over another, but Halifaco somehow took it all in. He sat motionless and resolute like the last beacon of law and order. Althea and Kronos sat on one side of Isra. She could hear their fear in their silence and feel the tension in their nervous movements. Althea, pulling her long red hair over her shoulders, and Kronos, fidgeting with the wiry metal glove wrapped around his arm. There used to be others, said Vago, sitting down on Isra's other side. Vego referred to the empty chairs on the other side of Halifaco. Isra sensed a power vacuum within the Parfenuloi society. It tugged on her mind in the same way it must tug on the minds of other ambitious members of this culture. The way Halifaco sat, with his back straight, his shoulders back, and his arms spread across the table, broadcast his intent to fill the empty space himself without any help from potential upstarts in the room. How many people were there? asked Isra. And do you know what happened to them? Five. And My guess is Halifax went and made them obsolete, possibly even biologically. What happens now? asked Althea. It's hard to say, said Vago, watching the crowd pressing around the table and the dead Venganto. Don't believe there's a history of this. So all up to Halifaco and he's got murder in his eye. Ain't nothing going to satisfy him till this whole planet burns down. The crowd around the Venganto continued to chatter until Halifaco had heard enough. He raised his right hand, a simple gesture that had everyone heading for a seat at one of the tables spanning the room. Vago leaned over again. Last time I was here, this room was packed. Now look at them. Ain't hardly nobody left. That was an exaggeration, thought Isra but even a generous estimate would put this room at about half full. Halafaco gestured to the crowd of Perfunduloi in the room. Many have died since your arrival, and they rival the other outsiders. This is our last, best chance to raise an attack. After this, there will not be enough of us. Easer stood to address Halafaco. Please, if you will allow me to explain. However, Halafaco added, holding his hand up, You have brought us proof that the Houston and the Urbanoi have used our faith and love of the Companio to keep us subject to their will. And for that, we will all hear what you propose. Isra dropped her head in a slight bow. Thank you. If you will permit me, my associate here can better illustrate our plan. She motioned to Cronus, who had hopped out of his chair and sidled over to the table where the Venganto lay dead. He set one of his little black discs next to the body and performed a complex series of motions with the device wrapped around his arm. The disc activated, and light swirled around the room. Even though this wasn't the first time these people had seen such a spectacle, the whole room still gasped in amazement. The light swirled around for a while until they condensed into an image of the land in between the two Titanian seas. Isra began. This plan requires exquisite timing. Besides the Venganto, who will make movement outside the city dangerous, there are soldiers inside the city that must be dealt with in order for us to accomplish our goal we require the Perfonduloi's help in two areas. The map zoomed in to the center of the city, focusing on the courtyard and the pyramid. First, we need to get inside the city without being noticed. From there, we will proceed to the center of the city and retake the pyramid. Kronos will have free reign of their computer system once again. With what he has learned, he will be able to use it to draw the Venganto away from this place. However, the soldiers in the city will be a problem for us. We need you and your people to rally a force and create a distraction at the city walls. Halifaco sat and listened with mild interest. When Isra was done, he motioned to the map. Do you intend for our people to run against the city walls again? We have not the numbers anymore, nor any weapons. Vigo jumped up from the bench and yelled, Don't give me that! I know for a fact you folk are loaded to the gills with guns you took off the other outsiders. Isra shot Vago a glare. He adjusted his jacket and sat back down hard. It is not enough, Halifaco added. They have more guns and more people. It would be suicide. Isra had to admit this stumped her. How could she ask these people to attack the city again? Especially an attack that was only meant as a distraction. More would die, but would they see any value in their sacrifice? How exactly are you going to destroy the pyramid? asked Vago. Then he gave Isra a smug look. Sorry, did I speak out of turn again? Halifaco responded coolly. We've found a way. The cryptic and evasive nature of Halifaco's answer was not like him. He was an audacious man, the type who assigned as much value to his mistakes as he did to his triumphs. For him to waver on this issue... It had to be something so bold and dangerous that even he was not sure of himself. Isra fixed a look on him and said, What did you find? Halifaka waved his hand in a dismissive gesture. We intended to keep it a secret until all the outsiders left. Show me, said Isra. The perfundule leader paused again as if weighing the ramification and then gestured to the crowd. A few soldiers hurried out while the rest waited in muted anticipation. Not for what would come through the door, Isra sensed, but for how the team, and she in particular, would react. Two doors at the other end of the room opened, and the last railgun was wheeled into the room. Vago jumped up, rattling the table as he did. The railgun? The Koyar-Malk-Yen-Kil-Kied railgun? You must be out of your mind if— That is acceptable, said Isra coldly. Isra, do you have any idea what that thing could do? It is acceptable, Isra repeated firmly. If they are willing to put their people at risk again for us, they will need a show of power. Bago growled. Isra, if you let them keep that Kiarasan gun, there ain't going to be nothing left of this rock except the smoldering hole. Isra addressed Halifako. That is why, after this is over, we will insist that this gun be returned to us so it can be destroyed. Is that clear? Halafaco sat forward in his chair. You will not tell us what to do with it. We recovered it. And it is only a matter of time before the Urbanoi recover it from you. That is, unless you intend to keep it locked up forever. But how much good will it do you then? Halafako sat back, considering this. How long will we be required to keep the Urbanoi occupied? Ten minutes, max, said Isra. What happens then? Isra let a small, sly smile break across her face. If all goes well you will be able to see a message from the companio itself. Halifaco thought on this for a moment before he stood to address his people. With sweeping gestures and a grand speech in the native language, he filled the crowd in on the proceedings. When he reached the word companio, the room erupted in gasps and yelling. Isra stood serenely as Halifaco raised his hand to command order again. This time it took more than a few seconds. What trick is this? One of the Perfunduloi soldiers hissed in Titanian. No trick, said Isra, responding in the same language. The Companio has yearned to speak to its people for a long time. The Houston has managed to prevent it. If you can distract the city soldiers long enough, we can change that. More debate, and more yelling in Titanian. Isra felt an energy in the room like something powerful contained in a vessel too small. Halifaco stood resolute, leaning slightly on the table in front of him, but the way his eyes darted back and forth and the way he clenched and unclenched his hands revealed a measure of anxiety. He was worried about being able to control the crowd if this did not go as planned. Very well, said Halothako eventually. We will consent to those who want to go. We are trusting you for the last time, but know this. If I get the hint that things are not going as planned, I will order my people to breach the city walls and I will destroy the pyramid myself. Isra bowed again that is fair. Althea stood up. But how? We cannot leave this place for all the Vanganto waiting to attack. How will you even get there? Halifaco smiled and paced behind the table. There are tunnels. They lead into the forest. They provide a way for our people to escape the Urbanoi and their slave chains. But the entrance to them is far away. It will be difficult to reach them from here without being spotted." What the hell good does that do, asked Vago, leaning his chair back. Getting halfway don't help none. How are we going to get back to the city? Somewhere in the distance, a mammoth bellowed. Halafaco's face spread into a mischievous grin. We have our
1: ways. <laughs> You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, the first book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was broken reality by Kevin McCleod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license.
0: He set one of his little black discs next. Discs.